So we're in a series called Fight the Good Fight of Faith, which is not a fist fight. In 1 Timothy 6.12 it says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. I want to encourage you to get the teaching, download the teaching if you haven't been with us these past few Wednesday evenings, it will enrich your life and it will help you to, to be on the same page, if you will, on what we are speaking about. So we understand this, that every breakthrough that we can get in this life comes on the wings of revelation knowledge. And when I talk about revelation knowledge, I mean knowledge that is not of the head, but knowledge that is of the heart. It is, if you will, an epinosis. It is an intimate, exact knowledge of Him, and it is an intimate, exact knowledge of His Word, and also brings you into divine communion with the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that we should pray continuously that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that our hearts would be strengthened, and pray that what we have not seen, we'd be able to see. What we have not known, we would be able to know. That's a good prayer to pray right now. Say, Lord, say it with me, Lord, what I see not, enlighten me to see. What I know not, help me to know. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Now we know that His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to this life and the life after, to this life and godliness. And again it is through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Your deliverance, your healing, your prosperity, your soundness of mind are all part of the finished works of Christ. And then we take possession of what he has finished on our behalf by acknowledging and declaring that it is done, I believe it, and that settles it for me. Amen. So, now what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to keep us, if you will, and distract us away from the truth that has set us free and from the truth that would keep us free. And so he uses all sorts of tactics, all sorts of devices all sorts of schemes to get us off the right track and looking at our circumstances and looking at how bad things are in the natural realm. And so his job is to get your focus off of him, off of Jesus, onto other things. Now, I ate some pecans before I came. I don't know why I do that. I'm not supposed to eat peanuts before you preach. 
so let me wet my whistle. But we have authority over that rat. Now, I'm going somewhere tonight, and this is kind of a pre to where we're going to go. And so I'm going to quote some scriptures to you first, then we're going to look more intently at a few. Jesus said, Behold, I've given you authority. Say it with me, I have authority. And power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability. Notice, over all the power that the enemy possesses. And then he goes on to say, and no thing shall in any way harm you. No thing. Of course, it says nothing, but I like to say no thing. You know, when you're going through something, you ought to just have this attitude. It's just a thing. That's just a thing. That's just a thing. That's just a thing. Nothing, no thing can harm me. Because I'm rising up in the name of Jesus, and I'm serious about my walk with God, and nothing is going to take me off the path that God's got me on. Is that you? Raise your hand and say, that's me. So then, we must learn how to respond to the enemy when he begins to bombard us with his suggestions. And your victory... And my victory, in a large part, listen to this, is determined by our consistency to cast down those thoughts of the enemy. How many of you know that Jesus disarmed the principalities and the powers? He made a show of them openly and he triumphed over them in it, did he not? So it's vital to know the Word, it's vital to be in the Word, and it's vital to have our minds, if you will. The Scripture talks about being sober-minded. It talks about fixing our mind upon Him. And so it is necessary for me, on a daily basis, when the attacks are launched... That I stay sober-minded, fixed, and set upon Him and His Word. Gloria Copeland said years ago about this walk with God. She said that inconsistency is where the power is. Inconsistency lies the power. In other words... It's not good enough for us to be weekend warriors. It's not good enough for us to be, take a promise out of the promise box weekly and read it and say, Oh my, isn't it wonderful being a Christian? (laughs) Now, I'm not knocking that, but I am saying... That if you want to be able to stand strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, it's going to take you putting your armor on and keeping your armor on. And part of the armor is the helmet of salvation, which represents to you and to me the importance of renewing our minds by the Word of God. Paul said, be not conformed to this world. 
but be transformed. Not by the removal of your mind, but by the renewal of your mind. Amen? And so we see then that a sober mind is a mind that is set on God's word. Say it with me. We fight with the word by speaking it and meditating on it. We know that the thief comes in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But we don't want to center in on all of that. We want to center in on the second part of the verse. He says, I have come that you might have and enjoy life, having an abundance to the full until it overflows. See, your part and my part in spiritual warfare is to maintain the victory that Jesus has already given us. Amen. Now, here's what I want to get to tonight. Stretch your hands toward me and say, Lord, give them utterance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We know that the enemy walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? When I was a little boy growing up in Catholic school, I would look to the nun and I would say, Sister, can I go to the bathroom? And she would look at me, can you, Mr. Thomas? And I didn't give it. And I said, yes, can I go to the bathroom? Can you, Mr. Thomas? And then the lights went on. May I go to the bathroom, the restroom? Yes, you may. Well, the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he what? But he may not devour you if you don't let him, if you don't give him permission. In the same context of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, he says, The enemy walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then it goes on to say, resist him steadfastly with your faith. Aren't you glad that God gave you faith to resist him with? Aren't you glad that he clothed you with the Holy Spirit, that he endued you with power from on high, that he gave you the full armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, whereby you could not, whereby you could never give the enemy any place when you got the armor on. So here we go. We must, we must have focused faith. Look at Philippians 4, and I want to look at that one tonight. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Philippians, the fourth chapter. The first verse. He says, therefore, my beloved. So he's talking to us, right? My brothers, dearly beloved and longed for. My joy and crowned. So stand fast in the Lord. My dearly beloved. 
So he's encouraging the church at Philippi, and I'm encouraging the church in the Bay Area tonight, a portion of it at least, and a very important portion of it. He's encouraged them to stand fast in the Lord. Now you will see, as this chapter unfolds, he says such things to them, like in verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats himself, And again I say to you, rejoice. Is it a part of your standing fast in the Lord and standing firm in the Lord to be rejoicing? I believe that when we're standing in Him and He's standing in us, we ought to have a smile on our face. We ought to get that concerned look off of our face. And if we have to, just by faith, start rejoicing. You realize that the Apostle Paul was in prison when he was writing this letter. And you know that the whole book written to the church at Philippi, the whole theme over and over again was to rejoice. The same one who pinned that said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So he says now, rejoice in the Lord. Let's unpack this a little bit further. Let's look at a couple more verses. Verse 6, here's a great one. Be careful for no thing. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. How worried does he want you to be? Nada. Zero. He says, in the Amplifies, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Be careful for nothing. If we're going to stand fast in the Lord in this day and in this hour, we cannot allow ourselves to be eaten up by fear, worry, and anxiety. You may have every symptom of fear, every symptom of anxiety, but fear doesn't live on the inside of a born-again believer. Faith resides on the inside of you. Fear comes from the outside, but faith on the inside, if it's cultivated, will rise up and put fear on the run. Say with me, God didn't give me a spirit of fear. I don't have a spirit of fear. But I have a spirit of power and love, and I have a sound mind. Be careful for nothing. Well, what are you going to do then? Pray. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Notice it doesn't say with groaning and moaning and complaining and crying. But when you give it to the Lord and you pray, thank Him for it. You know, you've heard this, that when you go through a test, if you go through it properly, you'll have a testimony, right? But if you go through a test and you do it improperly, all you'll have would be was moaning. (laughs) Testimoning. Now, notice he said in verse 7, what happens then as a result of doing these things? And 
What? The peace of what? What kind of peace does God have, Bertha? He's got complete peace. He has nothing missing or nothing broken in him. And so if we live this properly and rejoice in the Lord properly and stand fast in the Lord, doesn't mean you will not have days where you feel like you're breaking down and you're having meltdowns. Anybody ever been there? Yes. Thing. <laughs> so I'm speaking to the right crowd. But if we will, as a way of life, just follow the instructions, here's what we can expect. We can expect, number one, the God of peace to be with us. Amen. The God of peace. And along with the God of peace living in you and living in me, the God of peace gives us his peace. The peace of God. Just put your hands right on your, on your stomach right now and say, God of peace. I just want to thank you for the peace of God. Rodney Lloyd was flying on a jet one day and he got into a conversation with somebody. He says, aren't you worried that this plane will crash? He says, no, I'm not worried at all. He says, how can you be so confident? He says, well, number one, I've got peace with God because I know the Lord Jesus Christ that if it did crash, I'd be immediately in his presence. But number two, I've got the peace of God and I'm fully assured that it ain't going to crash. <laughs> So peace with God is where it starts. Peace with God comes when you call on the name of the Lord and you're saved. We're not talking about having religion. We're talking about having a relationship. See, when I grew up, I had a religion, but my religion couldn't keep me out of trouble. It wasn't until I got in trouble that I really called on the name of the Lord and got a relationship and a fellowship. Amen. So the peace with God is number one. But then when you learn to walk with him and give your cares to him and pray and praise and rejoice and stand. Well, read verse seven with me again. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts. Is it important for your heart to be kept? Is it important for you to be spiritually fit? Is it also important for your mind to be intact? See, the world doesn't understand that. Because the world is reeling back and forth under the pressure of its system. But you and I are on a solid rock. And they can't understand you. They don't know why you can live or how you can live the way you do. But you know it's all because of him. See, I believe this. That God wants to keep his people out of the insane asylum. God wants to keep his people from going crazy. God wants to keep his people intact listen spirit soul and body until he returns amen 
That's going to be us, right, Joe? Say it with me. That's me, that's me, that's me. That's us. So now, we're just now getting to where I want to go, and it's already 818. Look at verse 8 and verse 9. Finally, brethren and sisters too. He tells you then how you can maintain this peace, how that you can stay stable in your soul in an unstable world. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, do what? Think on these things. So let's keep this list up here. This is God's list. And what we need is a bouncer at the door of our soul. Because there will be intruding thoughts that will come to your mind. Have you found that out? So Paul has given them a list. He's given us a list of things to think about. Things that are true and right and pure and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. If we are going to cultivate courageous faith, we need to form a habit of thinking thoughts that are of God. Now, this word think, and I don't want to go real deep tonight, but that word think is not just think about. That word think literally means make it your habit of thought. Make it your habit of thought. This list ought to be routine for you and me. I cannot live, you cannot live a courageous life without having a consecrated and a concentrated mind. I'll say that again. We cannot live a courageous life, and that's what God's called us to. I could get over into my message on the heart of a warrior. Without having a concentrated mind. I'm going to tell you tonight that an unfocused mind can hinder your faith. Both faith and fear are powered or fueled by your focus. When we focus on the wrong things, fear comes on the scene. But when you focus on the list, faith is produced. So an unfocused, contaminated, polluted mind welcomes fear and weakens your faith. How many of you know in the Garden of Eden that God told Adam... He could eat all he wanted of any tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't you know things would have been much different if Adam and Eve had focused on what they could eat instead of what they couldn't eat? 
You know, that's the key to a successful diet. I'm not much of a point counter. I have difficulty with that one diet that makes you count points. Just tell me what I can eat in abundance till it's coming out of my ears, eyes, and nose. And what's good for me, and I'll do that. Thank God for Brother Atkins. Stop focusing on what you don't have and start thanking God on what you do have. Stop focusing on what you can't do and start focusing on what you can do. That's a law, that's a principle of life. You see, in the same way, Instead of focusing on not thinking wrong thoughts, we need to focus on thinking right thoughts. How many of you know that our Heavenly Father places no limits on your thought life when they come from Him? You see, I believe this. I believe that every one of us have mountain-moving faith on the inside of us. I believe that you and I have faith so strong on the inside of us that it brings the world to its knees. Dad Hagen used to walk around saying when he was preaching on the subject of faith, he said, I've got a measure of mountain moving faith. Let's try that one on for size tonight. Say it real strong. I've got a measure of mountain moving faith. I don't think that we should be praying, Lord, increase our faith. I think we should be praying, Lord, help us to increase our focus. Focus requires discipline. Fixed on Christ's unlimited supply every day. That's focused. I believe this, the lack of faith is a sign of broken focus. I'm declaring tonight that your faith and my faith will rise up when we concentrate on the goodness of God. On the goodness of God. I was teaching Livy tonight, we were sitting on the couch and they got home, probably about five or so, and Brenda said, it's time for you to go play with Livy. <laughs> so I went out in the backyard and prayed with, uh, played with Olivia, and we were playing tennis. Something about Olivia, she never loses. She always wins. <laughs> she believes in that scripture. Now thanks be to God, which gives us the victory. <laughs> she always wins. And I said, well, Livy, you know, Papa's got to get ready for church. I've got to go teach tonight. And And so she came to the couch and she brought her little lesson, you know, from the day. And and, uh, the scripture that they looked at today was Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, where it talks about this I call to my mind. I bring this to my remembrance. You know, your, your, your mercies are new every morning. Your compassions fail not. And great is your faithfulness. And so we started talking about 
you know, the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And her little lesson had little questions, you know, about this and that. And, but the bottom line was we were talking about the goodness of God. And I said, I want to teach you something that Jimmy Richardson taught me. You know, white people, they say, you know, God's good. And then I heard, all the time. And then I heard, and all the time, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. All the time, God is good. And so we kept saying that over and over again. I kept talking about the goodness of God. Talked to her a little bit about angels. You know, kids' hearts are open to the things of God. I said, you know, one time when Papa was young and he was in a prayer meeting, that this one young lady saw my angel. And her eyes went, really? What did he look like? I said, he was real tall and he didn't have any hair. She said, he was bald? I said, yeah, he looked like Mr. Clean. The goodness of God. Everyone say, my God is good. All the time. And all the time. My God is good. So in one way, in one sense, you know, faith is like climbing a mountain. You can climb up one way one day and, you know, just get a completely different view. You can climb up another way another day and get a different view. It depends on which way you're climbing the mountain. So when I say these things, these are not all inclusive statements, but it is a part of our walk of faith. And I believe this, that faith is the byproduct of us having correct focus. I believe that we should ask him to help us increase our focus. Don't let life break you down. Keith Hershey says, don't let a setback cause you to sit back. But here's what you should do. Get ready for a comeback. Get ready for a comeback. And I know to do that, we've got to get our mind right. Because when it talks about mindset, that means setting your mind. And it's easy for the the mind to wonder. And it's easy for the mind to get distracted. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 5 in the Amplified Version. In these scriptures, we're going to look at this rather quickly. Paul tells you and I that we've got divine weapons. Divine weapons. That means we have the power to destroy every argument, every pretension that comes to our mind that are against and arrayed against the thoughts of God. I mean, anything that contradicts this word, you have weapons to cast them down. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 5 in the Amplified if we could. He says, "Now I'm Paul, beseech you by the gentleness and consideration of Christ himself, 
I who am lowly enough so that they say, when among you face to face, bold, fearless, and outspoken to you, when I am absent from you. Verse 2. I entreat you when I do come to you that I may not be driven to such boldness as I intend to show toward those few who suspect us by act according to the flesh on the low level of worldly motives as if invested with only human powers. Verse 3. For though we walk and live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare. Say it with me. I'm not carrying on my warfare with fleshly weapons. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of what? Strongholds. Verse 5. Read it with me. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now let's keep that verse up there right now. In other words, what he's saying, any argument, any pretension that would lead you off the right path and on the wrong path, you are to take it and bind it and cast it down. God's thoughts, in other words, keeping your mind on that list, God's thoughts will literally obliterate every argument, every argument, every thought, that the enemy brings to your soul if you will activate the Word of God. What is this saying? This is saying, when God has promised you one thing and another thing is happening, you need to demolish that argument. You need to demolish that contradiction. When God tells you that you're the righteousness of God in Christ and you're feeling unworthy and you're feeling not up to par, you need to demolish that thing. When God tells you you can do all things through Him, and the enemy comes along and tells you there's no way, you need to demolish that. And to demolish that, you need to rise up with the weapons of your warfare and hold those thoughts captive. So often, I can't count the times this happened in my life. So often when God has told me to do something, I've had thoughts that will tell me why I can't and why I shouldn't and why it will never happen. Does that sound familiar? We have these arguments that come to our soul, but we've got the power to destroy them. And there's something that's true about these thoughts that come to our mind. These arguments, these imaginations, these strongholds often come and present us with facts. Let me ask you a question tonight. If I asked you and we did a personal meeting together, and I asked you this question, okay, 
What's your vision? What's the desire of your heart? What do you have in your spirit? What has God said to you? What's been down on the inside of you, perhaps since you were a child? What is it that God has been dealing with you on? What is the vision? What is the purpose? What is your destiny? Why are you here? How many of you could tell me that you know what that is? You don't know? God's never spoke to you about something? Can you tell me? Can you talk about it? Can you rehearse what your purpose is? Why you're here? Why you're breathing? Do you know that you're his masterpiece? Do you know that you're the apple of his eye? Do you know that you're called, anointed, and appointed as an ambassador of the Most High God? Do you know that you are not a nobody, but you're a somebody in his family? And that on the inside of every one of you is the DNA of a winner? And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, you're going to have this huge worldwide ministry and you're going to go to China and people are going to be saved by the billions. I'm talking about, has God told you to start a business? Has God put in your heart to be a conduit of blessing in the body of Christ? Has God put healing in your hands? Has God put a burden of prayer in your spirit for the lost? Oh, saints, stir up the gift. Heart of the Bay, stir up the gift. There is more to you than you've seen yet. God sees it. God's got you. He's got a plan. He's got a vision for your life. This was not a trick question. But I'm amazed at how many people did not respond to knowing why they're here. But if you took time to pray, maybe some of it needs to be dusted off. But I deal with people in my little life that are in ministry and I deal with missionaries and I, I deal with, with, with ministers that have huge churches and small churches and in-between sized churches and all of them have a vision. And then if I were to ask you and if I was to ask them, what is it that's holding you back? Here's what some of the answers would be. Here's what some of the answers have been for me. People. Certain events have taken place. How about money? How about health conditions? How about just a lot of things? But I'm here to tell you tonight, 
that it is not those things that are holding you back. I believe, and I'm pointing my finger as well as I'm pointing it at you. I've got two here and six back here. We must quit making excuses for the broken places in our lives and for the lack of vision and apathy. It's never the things that hold us back. It's how we think about the things that are holding us back. I believe God wants to enlarge our vision as a church. Enlarge our vision as Christians. I pray for an enlarged heart for Pastor Mark. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about spiritual. And I pray for an enlarged heart for the people in this church. Paul is saying, with this list... He's saying, guys, if you'll think about the right things, no matter what comes your way, you can go through the hard stuff. You know, preachers like, like it when people talk back at them. You know, a grunt or something would be real helpful right now. I mean... You know, just a holy grunt or something. Just an amen. Back preach it, brother. Glory to God. That's good stuff. One of the greatest fears preachers have is silence. Believe me, in a Holy Ghost church, silence is not always golden. <laughs> so Paul said, he said, think on what's true. The devil will present you with facts, but facts don't make something true. We have the truth that is higher than the facts. Though it was a fact that Jesus was dead, the truth was he got up out of the grave. And now you're doing a little bit better. We need to find what's true, hold fast to what is true, and hold on to those thoughts for dear life. Listen, friend, when you get a thought that's true, a thought like this, that you can make it, hold on to that thought. When you get a thought from God's Word that you're strong, you're not weak, you can overcome that temptation, hold on to that thought. Listen to this statement. We cannot always control the thoughts that we have, but we can control the thoughts that we hold. Every man of God or woman of God has had thoughts come to their mind that their heart detested. You can't do anything about the birds flying over your head, but you sure can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Come on now, saints. Help a preacher out. I'm going to say it again. I'm doing my best tonight. 
You know, I could come in here nonchalantly because it's a small crowd and I could give you a thimble full of the word. But I came in loaded for bear and by God's grace, I'm going to unload. <laughs> Laugh at the devil. Ha ha ha. So we can't always control the thoughts we have, but we can control the thoughts that we hold to. Some thoughts come from God, some thoughts come from the enemy. But learn to hold on to the right thoughts. Kenneth Copeland said in his seminars years ago, One thought from God can change your life forever. One thought from God can get you out of debt and bring you into a wealthy place. One word from heaven can take a broken body and make it whole again. He is the high priest and the apostle of our profession, Christ Jesus. He says, sons, daughters, hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Well, praise the Lord. We're done. Stand up if you would. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Now pray this with me. In the name of Jesus, I choose to fix my mind all week long on those things that are worthy of reverence, those things that are honorable, those things that are pure, those things that are of a good report. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So I choose to align my mind with my heart. I proclaim this night that I have the mind of Christ. Devil, I'm serving you notice. You come as a thief, but I refuse to give you any place. No more topos. No more topography in my life. In the name of Jesus, I rise up now with my hands lifted up. And I thank you for the ability to be focused on you. Say this real strong and then shout with me. I'm fixed on Christ. Unlimited supply. Every day, every day, every day. Thank you, Lord. Come on, give him praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Everyone's in an attitude of prayer. If Pastor Tom would come. Those of you that may be questioning whether or not you're saved or not, I've got this simple, simple truth for you, and that is this, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Scripture says, if you will confess through their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you could be saved, you would be saved. It is with the heart that man believes to righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made to salvation. If you've not yet crossed that line of commitment to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you in just a few moments. Well, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Everyone's in an attitude of, of reverence and honor to the Lord. If you're here tonight and you'd like to pray to receive Jesus as your Savior, I'm not asking you to join the church. We'd love you to be a part of this church. You might have a church you already go to.
But you want to have a no-so salvation in your life tonight. If you are in that case, if you'd like to open your heart to receive the Lord, I'm going to ask everybody that would like to pray and receive Jesus. I'm going to ask all of you to raise your hand at this time right now. Raise your hand all over this auditorium. All over this auditorium. Say yes. Anyone else? Just put your hand up in the air and say yes. I'm here tonight. I'm going to make him my Lord and my Savior. Praise God. I saw a few hesitant hands, and I'm not sure whether or not you meant to, that you wanted to pray, but let's just make sure before that we all go home tonight, let's just open up our hearts to the Lord. Pray this with me, Lord Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God that died for my sins and was raised for the dead on my behalf. I open up my heart right now and I receive you as my Savior. I proclaim Jesus is Lord of my life. Amen and amen. Well, if that's you, I'd love to meet with you afterwards. I'd love to talk with you up here in front in a few moments.